0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. My name is Kyle Bruce and I'll be your moderator for today's show. I'm joined by author Larry Sternberg, an expert on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. Today's topic for discussion is somewhat of a continuation of our topic from last week, Accept People As They Are, but it takes it one step further of accepting people, but also tolerating some undesirable behaviors. This topic comes from Chapter 5 of Larry and Dr. Kim Turnage's book, Managing to Make a Difference. So, in addition to our topic today, uh, at their last segment, we're also going to answer some questions from, uh, from our listeners, from the write-ins, um, and so we're going to be talking about that in our fourth segment. So, Larry, you've provided some life-changing advice in your last chapter on accepting people how they are. Our audience members are no doubt working on this, after all, though, it is somewhat counter to uh, human nature, or at least the way most people have been taught about managing other people. A lot of managers want their employees just to fit perfectly into roles they're playing and perform them admirably without any sort of deviation from the prescribed view of the role. They essentially want employees to stay in their lane, do what they want them to do. Um, but but here's the problem. They don't always do that. And sometimes, and you know, by sometimes, I mean that one person who is a little bit annoying. There's sort of a thorn in a manager's side. You know, they're frequently pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable, Simply put, they just do some fairly undesirable things. Nothing necessarily egregious or malfeasant, um, but things that managers don't like. They may even undermine their authority at times. They're always, you know, they aren't always following following the prescribed procedures and policies. Um, you know, and, and there's reasons for that. And, and you know, but those need to be followed, Larry. So what you're essentially saying is that managers need to tolerate this behavior. Why in the world would you
2: and Kim say this is okay? We'd say it's okay and not and more than okay. It's necessary to have good relationships with other human beings. Whether you are at work or you're in a marriage or you have a significant other to whom you're not married. In order to stay in a relationship, it's necessary to tolerate behaviors that sometimes you find annoying and you wish the person wouldn't exhibit. In business, we have to ask ourselves, what's really important? How is this person who's annoying me, how much value are they adding? And what is going to happen if I start focusing on the things that are annoying me And get them out of focus on the ways they add value. Let me tell you a story. This occurred when I really learned this in spades for the first time. I was the HR director of the Hyatt Regency in Dearborn, Michigan. And we had a fine dining restaurant. This is a a very large hotel. And we had a fine dining restaurant in this hotel. And the name of the restaurant was the Rotisserie. I'm sure it's not there anymore. Long, long time. And the manager and maitre d' of this restaurant happened to be a gentleman named Mohammed, And he was notorious, so I was the director of human resources, he was notorious for not doing his paperwork that human resources needed to the extent that he would hire people and they'd show up to work in the restaurant and we'd have no paperwork on them. We wouldn't be able to get them into the payroll system. I mean, there's lots of paperwork that unfortunately one needs in modern times in, in order to get somebody paid properly, just that. And he would just, ignore those things and and my staff would really have to hound him to get this stuff done and and he there were other there are other things that he didn't do that were absolutely required procedures but what he did do was fill this restaurant people came to this restaurant because they knew he would take care of them and give them an outstanding evening of dining And uh, I made a a major mistake. I decided not to tolerate this behavior. And I persuaded the general manager that if Mohammed didn't get into line and get his paperwork done, that he should be fired. And after a while, (laughs) unfortunately for everyone involved, I was successful. Mohammed got fired because he didn't conform to all these things. And the, the, the business of the restaurant tanked. So I got what I wanted. You know, I, I, I got a guy who wasn't doing his paperwork. I got him fired. And the entire business suffered. And by the way, the guests suffered as well because he wasn't there to give them uh, the experience. And that's why the business tanked because he was generating a lot of business. Today, having learned that very painfully, if I have the same situation today, what I'm looking for is a solution to get the paperwork done without asking Muhammad to do the paperwork and without creating those draconian consequences for him for not doing the paperwork. Because I ultimately, I don't want the business to suffer. And if we have to work a little harder to get this paperwork done, because that's just not his strength or his interest, then in order to maintain the business that's what we're gonna do. So I learned that quite painfully.
1: So Larry, you know, you're talking about you know, again, accepting yeah. people as they are and then, you know, being okay with some of that undesirable behavior. What if what if I'm a manager and I, I want to do this? but I've got like 60 people that I'm managing and I don't have as much time to be as individualized for all 60 of my people. What are, what are some steps or some tactics that I could take to, to move myself at least a little bit forward on the needle? What are some things that I might do um, to kind of help, help through this process to, to start it at
2: least? Are you asking me something you can do to change this person's behavior in some way or something you can do to reduce the stress on you of, of
1: this? Well, ultimately, it's both because, uh, you know, as a manager, if, if somebody's thinking about this, they've got a couple of people on their team who are, you know, maybe have some undesirable behavior that they want to know, well, how do I get started? What, what, how do I even start this process to think, okay, how do I work around somebody that's just kind of annoying me or irritating well, me or everybody else?
2: Well, let me, let me ask you a question and, and listeners, uh, if you have kids I want you to answer this question for yourself. So how many kids do you have, Kyle? I have two, a boy and a girl. And uh, how old are they? Uh, Six and three. Do they ever exhibit annoying behavior? On a daily basis. Uh, What do you do about it? Well, sometimes
1: I don't do anything about it. Usually it's because they're, you know, usually it's because my daughter, um, who uh, wants to play with her older brother, but he doesn't really want to let her play with uh, him, you know, she she knows exactly what's, which buttons to push to, to to get him to at least uh, engage in her in some sort of way in a relationship. And so the, the yelling and some of the screaming becomes a little bit annoying or the whining can be a little bit annoying, particularly last night. We had kind of a whiny three-year-old last night for some reason. And so sometimes you ignore it. And when you're not ignoring it, what do you do? Uh, well it's figuring out what's the root cause. It's figuring out, you know, why. So last night, Nora was being a little bit whiny because they were working on some art projects and she didn't know how to draw a dog. And my wife was trying to help her to draw a dog. My wife really wanted her to do it on her own. And, my daughter just didn't feel comfortable drawing the dog and so she's being very whiny about having my wife help her. okay this is really simple and stupid but it was it was really annoying because I was trying to get some work done uh, at the dinner table and I'm hearing this you know, this this whining and, and you know and I, I love my daughter but you know three-year-old whining when it's incessant can really
2: be a bit of a mosquito in the ear at times so uh, somewhere in there I heard you say a couple of, very important things. One is sometimes you just ignore it. Yep. So sometimes when an employee is exhibiting undesirable behavior, sometimes it's not very significant undesirable behavior. And the, the best thing to do in many circumstances is just ignore it. Uh, because when you shine light on it, when you pay attention to it, uh, you give it power. Ah. And if one of the things somebody wants is attention, (laughs) and they get it by doing undesirable behavior, and this this happens in the workplace all the time, what you're actually doing is reinforcing the the undesirable behavior. So in some instances, ignoring it is actually the, the best thing you can do. The other thing you said was, I want to understand what the root cause is. And so this is a very important point for all the listeners. When you're in relationship with somebody, in particular, we're talking about business here, but this also applies to your personal life, and somebody is exhibiting undesirable behavior, and it's significant undesirable behavior, you must start by seeking the why of the behavior. What What is the root cause of the behavior? What's driving this? I'll give you a hypothetical example, because if you don't do that and you only create negative consequences for the person when they exhibit the undesirable behavior, you're treating the symptom, but you're not really treating the root cause. And here's my hypothetical. Suppose you have a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds. Uh, over at your house. And it so happens your house is on an acreage and you have a barn on that acreage. And one day you discover that several kids are out behind the barn smoking cigarettes. And this is the kind of undesirable behavior you really want to put a stop to. So one way to address it would be to say to those kids, listen, if if I catch you doing this again, I'm going to punish you. Or you punish them right away. But there's some sort of punishment involved, and your your hope is that the the prospect of being punished for doing this undesirable behavior will stop the behavior. But that's not what really happens. What happens is the children are not motivated to stop the behavior. They're motivated to avoid the punishment. (laughs) So they just find another place to smoke their cigarettes where you're not going to catch them, and therefore they won't be punished. If instead, the parent sits down with their child and asks them some questions out of sincere interest to understand why are you smoking, what do you hope to accomplish, what's what's going on here, and you can understand the motivation for the child in the first place to experiment with these cigarettes, then you can address the situation at the root cause level and hopefully get them to change their behavior that way. It's the same thing with an employee. If the employee is uh, exhibiting some undesirable behavior, like let's say uh, they're late all the time, start by trying to find out why they're late. Um, Who knows? They might be a newlywed. They might have things going on at home that just can't compete with any positive reinforcement. Reinforcement you might be able to give them, uh, or you have them reporting in the early in the morning and they're just not a morning person and it's very difficult for them to actually get up and be in a good mood in the morning so
1: Larry I'm going to pause you just for a second we're getting ready to take a break here I want to learn more about root causes and reinforcing behavior when we get back Uh, so join us after the break to learn more about why managing to make a difference sometimes requires you to tolerate undesirable behavior and hey if you haven't ordered your copy yet of managing to make a difference you should take this opportunity to go to Amazon.com Wiley Books or Barnes & Noble to pre-order your copy today join us after the break and we'll see you in a few minutes
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Ask to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plussed. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: And welcome back and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. We've been talking with Larry about uh, he and Kim Turnage's book, Managing to Make a Difference, and uh, why accepting people as they are is incredibly important, but also why you have to sometimes tolerate undesirable behavior. Uh, before we left for the break, we were talking about root causes and reinforcing behavior. Uh, so I'll turn it back over to Larry to continue his
2: story. Well, that actually, uh, I did conclude that, that story. The point is you want to understand the root cause of the undesirable behavior. I, I did have a, uh, an instance where I was visiting a luxury hotel And there was an employee there who uh, everybody agreed had the potential to be a real superstar and was really exhibiting poor performance. And they were considering starting progressive discipline and putting him on some performance plan. And they they asked me to talk to him. And uh, I I had a talk with him. And at some point in time, I I said, what's going on? We, We know you have the potential to excel here and we're not seeing it. And he said, listen, I'm a night person they have the they have me opening this department at 5:30 a.m. I'm not a human being at 5:30 a.m. I really just can't function. I said, "So, what do you think we can do about that?" He said, "Put me on a night shift." And as it happens, they were able to do that and almost overnight. He became one of the most celebrated employees in the entire hotel. So, understanding the root cause of why you're seeing some some undesirable behaviors is very, very important because without that, the likelihood that you can get a behavior change without understanding what's causing the behavior, the likelihood you can get a behavior change is very, very low indeed. So, Larry, I guess I've got a two-part question to follow up to this. And I think about,
1: you know, the the people that, these individuals work with, they know this behavior is going on. They, they're they experiencing it. They're not oblivious to it. Um, first, do you, A, tell the person that you're tolerating the behavior that, hey, I'm, I'm tolerating this behavior, but you're a top performer, so I'm okay with it up until the point that you're not or, or some other – Circumstance. And then do you what about the people who are staying in their lane? The ones that are following the policies and procedures. You know, how do you handle it with them when they bring it up? So what do you do with the person and what do you do with the other folks when when these behaviors are being
2: tolerated and and you're doing it actively? Well I'm gonna ask answer the second question first, Kyle. Okay. What do you do with the other folks? This story is in the book, and unless I say otherwise, every story I tell you is true. I was opening the Ritz-Carlton in Barcelona, Spain. And and those days, when a new Ritz-Carlton was opening, people were flown in from all over the world to help with the training. And uh, it's considered an honor. So a lot of it's a super hard work, but it's considered an honor. And I was was asked to be on the the opening team and, and participate in the training. And I had a team of Housekeepers, they kept the public spaces clean, like the lobby and the public bathrooms, those sorts of things. Very, very important because every guest sees the lobby and quite a large number of guests see the public bathrooms. So uh, very, very important. And we were having lunch in the employee dining room. And And by the way, I was in Barcelona, Spain. I do not speak Spanish. And I had a couple of employees on the staff who fortunately spoke both English and Spanish, and they were able to serve as a translator for me. So we're having lunch in the employee dining room, and in walks Gunter, who at the time was the number one celebrity chef in the entire Ritz-Carlton Hotel company. And he was there to participate in the training. And in flagrant violation of the Ritz-Carlton dress code, he had hair... All the way down to his butt. And uh, the standard for hair for men in those days was it could touch your collar, but it couldn't be longer than that. So here he walks in to get a cup of coffee, and he's got hair all the way down to his butt. And all the housekeepers started talking to each other immediately. And I could tell that they were talking about Gunter. And when they got all done, I asked my translators, I said, I know they're talking about Gunter. What are they saying? This is what they were saying. He must be really good at his job. People understand that if somebody is really, really good at their job, the company and the best leaders are going to be more tolerant of behavior that is otherwise undesirable because you weigh the entire package. How much value is this person adding and how important is that one item? And we didn't have to explain it to these housekeepers. They knew immediately that there was only one explanation for that. So people will understand if you're tolerating undesirable behaviors provided that you're tolerating them for the right reason, which is the amount of value the person is adding, their performance, not because they're your best friend or they're your cousin or something of the sort, but you're tolerating it for the right reasons. So you usually don't have to explain this uh, to other people. So is there a point when you know enough is enough and,
1: and how do you deal with that? I, I know you haven't answered the other question yet, but when thinking about Gunther and
2: others, you know, is there a point where enough is enough? Of course there is. And we'll get to that after I answer your your, your first okay. question. Your first question was, do you, should you talk to the, the person about this undesirable behavior and let them know that you're tolerating it? Uh, and the answer is, I think not. So I want all the listeners to think about, To visualize sitting down with a close friend, your significant other, your spouse, whoever it might be, and having a conversation with them and saying, you know, I just thought I should tell you all the things I am tolerating about you because I love you.
1: That sounds like it works uh, really well. Well, (laughs) yeah,
2: I mean, it's just not going to work. It's it's a negative conversation. Essentially you're saying these things are wrong and I wish they were different. And and it's that's a non-starter. So I don't recommend telling somebody what you're what you're tolerating.
1: Makes sense to me. So when is enough enough then?
2: That the answer to that question is up to each manager different managers will have different levels of the ability to tolerate undesirable behavior even from top performers. And so the answer to when is enough enough is it it partially depends on where each manager wants to draw the line. I would say that in my case, enough is enough when it comes to undesirable behavior when the behavior is immoral, when it is unethical, when it might be illegal, or when it is contrary to the basic values and beliefs of the organization culture. And it is my bias that culture trumps everything. So as a leader and manager, one of my most important Responsibilities is to maintain the very best aspects of the culture. And so when someone is hurting the culture or they're hurting other employees, quite frankly, that's when I think, okay, these lines we don't cross. Hey,
1: so um, before we get, we're getting ready to kind of go into break here, but I, I had a um, an email come in from Fiona, uh, one of our listeners, and you know I know we're going to talk about questions in the last break, but her question actually relates absolutely to this topic. And she says, "When uh, when you believe that building, uh, you know, sorry, excuse me, do you believe that building too close a relationship with employees can hinder a company's growth?" And I just wanted to add to that, since it makes sense to add this, is that you know not just building too close a relationship, but also um, tolerating undesirable behavior you know can it hinder a company's growth you know if, if they start to you know look past some of the the idiosyncrasies or not doing their daily duties and you have to do all these workarounds and that sort of thing do you think that can ultimately hinder a company's growth and
2: how anything that is done incorrectly can hinder a company's growth but you see a lot of this uh, it's easy to see a lot of this on sports teams think about professional sports teams or even uh, high profile uh, college and university sports teams where some of these players do some very undesirable behaviors from time to time but the the sports team is is asking the big question how much value are they adding overall and the more value somebody adds the more tolerant uh, an organization is going to be, and the more tolerant a good leader is going to be. And not every leader has the ability to be all that tolerant when these things go on, but people aren't going to be perfect. They are going to demonstrate undesirable behaviors from time to time. And, and so it's, it's an art. It's not a science. So there aren't bright line answers for every single one of these questions. And Fiona's question, can you get too close to your people? My answer and the answer based on what we've learned at Talent Plus interviewing tens of thousands of managers and leaders is no, you can't get too close to your people provided that you continue to do your job as a manager and leader and you don't tolerate undesirable behaviors simply because somebody who reports to you is also your friend. You tolerate the undesirable behaviors from time to time because of the overall value the person is adding and the wisdom to understand is focusing on this behavior really going to be helpful. One of the the things I amuse myself with uh, from time to time is asking people about their spouse's uh, behavior in loading the dishwasher. (laughs) <laughs> I have found that this is often a, a, a World War III. Oh, my God. People, people have very strong opinions about how their dishwasher should be loaded. And, you know, by gosh, uh, you can decide to, to um, uh, criticize your spouse for doing it wrong or not letting your spouse do it. But you can also decide to tolerate it. Let's talk more about that when we come back from the break and if you haven't ordered your copy yet of
1: managing to make a difference you can go to amazon.com or barnes and noble to pre-order your copy today we'll be back in just a few minutes
3: from the boardroom to you voice america business network Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plussed. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Well, welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kyle Bruce, and I'm here with Larry Sternberg, uh, author of Managing to Make a Difference. If you're just joining us today, we're discussing accepting people as they are, but also tolerating some of those undesirable behaviors that they might exhibit in the workplace. So before we left for the break, Larry was talking about loading the dishwasher. So if you're just joining us, um, uh, we'll we'll turn over to Larry to continue telling us how loading the dishwasher
2: uh, can be a bit of a challenge uh, in our homes. Well, if you're just joining us, I have discovered that uh, it's often the case that couples who live together really have different points of view about how their dishwasher ought to be loaded. And in terms of tolerating undesirable behavior, my point is this, you can choose to make an issue of this, you can choose to criticize your spouse, or you can just choose to tolerate it and not make an issue of it. Uh, My advice to you is if you want the best possible relationship, choose to tolerate that your spouse It's going to load the different or your significant other is going to load that dishwasher in a way that you don't think is the best possible way and just get on with
1: life. But Larry, the toothpaste is supposed to be squeezed from the bottom of the tube, not the middle. I don't understand
2: it. Who squeezes toothpaste from the bottom of the tube? Nobody actually does that. Uh, So, you know, there. But this is the case at work as well. People are not going to be perfect. They're not always going to, they're going to annoy you from time to time. And the best managers really have a perspective on, is, is this what I want to focus on? Or do I want to focus on the things that make this person add so much value to this business and not make them feel bad because they're doing something that annoys me And in a perfect world. They wouldn't be doing that, but they're not perfect. And neither am I. And, and uh, relationships are reciprocal. And I would hope that as I am tolerating some of the idiosyncrasies of the people who work with me, they will cut me some slack. Because as a manager, as a leader, I can assure you, I am not going to be perfect. I am going to make mistakes. I'm going to make errors in judgment. I'm going to do things that from time to time Really annoy some of the people I work with, and and in a reciprocal way, I hope that they also cut me some slack when those things occur. So it it everybody should get treated that way.
1: So, you know, one of our listeners, Larry, wrote in a comment about um, kind of some mission critical elements of their business, and and so they had a senior employee who was really. Refusing to keep up their Salesforce, you know their their CRM system, keeping up that information up to date. Um, you know it's really a key to running their business, running a company, tracking the types of things they're doing, measures, metrics, growth, sales. You, you know those sorts of things. Um, it, how do you handle that? You know what what do they what should what do you recommend they do um, to to get that person to do those sorts of things? And you know when a workaround might not be possible.
2: Well. This is like Muhammad, and the personnel paperwork that he just didn't do. As a manager, you have choices to make. So the first thing I would ask is if, if Salesforce is something going on here, is this person in sales? Yes, they are. And how are they doing against their goals?
1: They're pretty good, maybe, maybe at the 75th to 80th percentile.
2: And uh, is that good enough that you want to retain them?
1: Well, I mean, I I don't coach this person to say it was a write-in, but let's say, say, yes, we want to retain this person. So you want to retain
2: this person. And do you think hammering them about Salesforce is going to make it more likely to retain them or less likely?
1: Well, probably less, but but it's a mission-critical element to everything that we do, and they're the only one that can put that information in, in the system, let's say.
2: So the mission is falling apart now. If it's mission critical and they're not doing it, then the business must already be falling apart. But it's not. Okay. So maybe it's not so mission critical. Well, but that's the point I'm right. making. You you get this in your head. So managers beat their head against the wall with issues like this on a daily basis. I get that. And uh, you think that they're critical and you would like to have Salesforce updated. And you're saying there's no workaround. And I... My solution here would be to encourage the person to get better. And if I'm their manager, I might sit down and do some of it with them. Uh, But understanding that that's always going to be a deficiency. and You know, I've worked with people who uh, never get their expense accounts in on time. And I mean never. And some of these people are well aware and they know that they should, but they're just not built that way. They just, it's, it's painful for them to do it, and they just never get their expense reports in on time. And this, is, uh, this annoys the people in accounts uh, in, in our, our billable area because they can't bill a client for expenses if they don't have the expenses. And so it's creating it's creating uh, problems for other employees and so forth. And once again, the big picture is how much value is this person adding? And what I then go and do is I go to talk to those other employees and help them understand. Listen, it isn't that we think this is okay. It's not okay. <laughs> However, given the value that this person is adding, which you ought to be able to explain pretty clearly. Um, I, you know, I'm just not going to focus on that and, and I'm sorry, this is an extra burden for you, but it's part of the cost of getting that value from that person that this is what teamwork is like. This is support. You know, there's another part of the book where I point out that relationships, although we fantasize that they would be 50, 50 relationships are never 50, 50. In any relationship, one person is always carrying more weight and contributing more to that relationship than the other person in the relationship. And so I would be explaining that to these people and explaining this: this is something we're asking you to do uh, to deal with this because this person just can't get it done, but he's adding so much value that we'd like to pay this cost. And I wouldn't dismiss out of hand that there's no workaround. I wouldn't come to that conclusion. I would struggle to find a workaround. And I know you can't always hire an employee to do all that stuff. But I would still struggle to find some workaround that That worked in this situation. So
1: sometimes managers will have kind of a default and they'll say, well, let's just, let's, let's punt it up to, to learning and development. They need some more training. They need to take a class in this. Maybe that's what it is. Um, do you think that's a good idea? Do you think that should be one of their options? Um, do you think training can fix some of these undesirables on occasion?
2: On occasion it can, if the deficiency is knowledge. So there are times when for instance, uh, a new employee in a in a customer-facing position just has they're they're young and they've never been taught. Well, how do you handle a customer complaint? What is the best practice? What's the value system of our company? How do you do this in in the way that we would consider to be the best possible way? So, if the deficiency is lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. then. Training will help if the deficiency is being caused by, well, this is just the way the person is hardwired. This is their normal behavior. This person is an introvert and they and separate issue. They don't like confrontation. And so if you've got somebody who's an introvert and in addition, that person doesn't happen to like confrontation, they're probably not going to be good at resolving customer complaints, even if they go through the training and if you have tests, they pass the tests, you have role plays, they can do it in the role play. But in the real world, they just freeze up and they can't identify the proper response to the customer in the moment. And that's where training doesn't work.
1: So one of the other questions that came in and, uh, from one of our our listeners that I think is really important is you say, you know, training doesn't always work. You know, it's kind of a funny response here, but they're saying, hey, Larry, you're essentially saying that my mom and my second grade teacher lied to me. <laughs> um, you know, I can't be anything that I put my mind to. I can't do anything that I try hard enough at. Um, and... and and Dave is is our listener's name, and he wants to reconcile. It. He's like, "How do I figure that out in my professional life? Uh, that my my mom, and my second grade teacher, lied to me, which I think is maybe for effect here, but but kind of funny." Um,
2: what? Do you, how would you respond to that, Larry? Uh, I respond to that with two words: aptitude matters. Okay, tell me more. Different people have different gifts, and so. And anybody can be anything they want to if all they're interested in is performing at some level of mediocrity. And I don't think that's what – that's certainly not what I'm interested in. I hope that's not what our listeners are interested so in. So
1: you mean, you mean maybe my mom and my second grade teacher should have said um,
2: you can be anything mediocre <laughs> at, at a mediocre level that you want to be? Well, they shouldn't have said what they said. Uh, Because they weren't talking about mediocrity, they were talking about being excellent at something. And to be excellent at something requires the aptitude that is relevant to what that something is. And without that aptitude, which creates potential, which we also call talent in this company Talent Plus, it's the potential for excellence. It's aptitude. And so... Any of us have to understand what are our gifts and it's in our areas of giftedness that we have the potential to perform at a high level of excellence over a sustained period of time. So uh, the myth (coughs) that anybody can do anything they put their mind to if they have the right attitude and they work hard enough is in fact a myth and it's not helpful. We should be striving to understand the aptitudes of our employees of our children of our friends and of our family members
1: so uh, I got a a couple more questions to ask Larry when we come back we're going to take a break here I know you all want to hear more uh, about um, managing to make a difference so as soon as we get back from the break we'll answer some questions from our listeners and we'll follow up with uh, introducing the next segment
3: Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plussed. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
1: Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg. And I'm your moderator today, Kyle Bruce. Uh, We are talking about um, how Managing to Make a Difference um, how you do that, how you build relationships, you accept people for how they are, but also how you tolerate some of their undesirable behavior. And as we were leaving our last segment, we were talking about how um, how we want to accept people how they are, but how also our our parents or perhaps our teachers told us we could be anything we wanted to as, as long as we put our mind to it. And, and Larry was telling us um, how the difference between mediocrity and doing that with excellence and so the question i had for follow-up that is, larry has anyone ever told you that did anyone ever tell you you could be anything you wanted to be and if you worked hard enough um
2: did you ever hear that uh yes i did it's as a not only did my parents tell me i could be anything i wanted to be but they cited authority and the authority was our next door neighbor who happened to be a psychiatrist (laughs) and when i was quite young They told me that the psychiatrist, based on his interactions with me, had said to them that I had the potential to be anything I wanted to be. And as a matter of fact, I know that's not true. I know know it's not true intellectually, but that was ingrained in me when I was a very young boy. And emotionally, on the inside, I still believe that. I know it's not true but I can't shake that feeling that if you, if I pointed to some profession that I could really do that with excellence if, if I wanted to. Um, so uh, there is one thing I made a note here, Kyle, that I wanted to talk about on the topic of tolerating undesirable behaviors. Yeah. One be, behavior that many of us have seen, I'm sure many of our listeners have seen it. I know you saw it when you were younger and just getting into sports, is there are coaches out there who want their players to be good losers. And getting angry and upset when one loses is considered an undesirable behavior. Right. And I had lots of coaches criticizing me for that and sending notes home to my parents saying Larry is not a good loser. And so there's an undesirable behavior if you're looking through a certain lens. I know that Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach, is credited with the following observation. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. (laughs) And, you know, so one thing you need to ask yourself, that so when somebody suggests that a certain behavior is undesirable, it may be undesirable because of the lens through which they're viewing that behavior. And if you view it through a different lens and you have a child who is a bad loser, that child is an intensely competitive individual. And that can be very motivational for them when it expresses itself in a healthy way, but I would counsel everybody, if you see somebody being a bad loser, don't criticize them for it. Just let it play out. It'll hurt them for a while, but let it play out.
1: You know, another lens, Larry, that a lot of managers espouse and use on a regular basis is the, the golden rule. And, and they're maybe even taught this uh, in schools and around other people, and, and it's, you know, the golden rule, of you know, treat everyone the way you want to be treated, you know, manage people the way you want to be managed. Is that... Is that a good uh, methodology, Larry, based on what you're talking about
2: here? It, It seems to be a little counter to that. Well, you know, honestly, I would say it's good, but I say there are better ways to manage people. It is good to think about in a particular situation, how would I like to be treated? But it's even better to recognize that just because that's the best way to treat you, it doesn't mean it's the best way to treat that person. The best way to treat that person is the way that person wants to be treated. And their needs and desires and preferences might well be different from yours. Some people, for instance, like to be recognized uh, in public and some people just don't like to be recognized in public. So if you're one of the people who likes to be recognized in public, the golden rule would say you you recognize this other person in public. But the platinum rule says, well, wait a minute, if they'd rather be recognized in private, then that's the way I'm going to do it. So the best way to do it is to find out what works for the other person and then treat them that way. This was drilled into me when I was in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, because we wanted to treat every guest according to their individual preferences. And our COO, Horace Schultze, used to say, if a guest wants rocks in the pillow, we put rocks in the pillow. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't matter. We're treating them the way they want to be treated rather than making assumptions uh, based on the way we would want to be treated. So I think that's the best way to manage people. But in order to do that, you have to get into relationship with them so that you know these things about the person. People don't come with labels on them. So, Larry, let's let's get into some questions from our listeners.
1: Um, I have one here from Robert, and he says, um, one of the undesirable behaviors that um, I think some of my employees are tolerating is that, you know, I'm, I'm a newer manager and a millennial, and many of my employees are older than, than, than he is, and some are younger. But he gravitates to the younger workers because they just have a little bit more in common. But no, he also knows he needs to have better relationships with his older team members uh, he's essentially saying, well, what do you recommend? How do you recommend I do this, even though I, he seems to, to gravitate
2: towards those younger workers? What do you recommend? Well, uh, we started this series of broadcasts with Focus on You. So the very first thing I would recommend, very practical, and really will take him a long way, is do focus on you with these older workers. Get to know them a little bit and spend some time with them. It may be not what you're gravitating to, but you can make a choice to spend some time with them and to treat them according to their performance. If their performance is great, I would say spend more time with your great performers and I don't care how old they are. So if they're my age, they may be 66 years old and if they're performing with excellence, spend more time with them. You'll find out they perform even better and I know that you're going to have better chemistry with some of your employees than you do with others. That's the human condition. Don't apologize for that, but don't make it a reason to shortchange your other employees. So you may have to be more intentional about spending time with some of these other individuals.
1: Okay, Larry, this is not a fake question, but it kind of seems like it. But Sammy wants to know, when is the book available?
2: Well, the book's available now. You can go you can go online to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. The title of the book is Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Larry Sternberg. I'm the co-author of the book with Dr. Kim Turnage. So it should be pretty easy to find. You can pre-order it and it will be available on May the 1st, but you can pre-order it right now. And and Larry, uh,
1: our next show is going to be focused on making people significant Can you give us a
2: little bit of a highlight of what you might talk about? It's the whole topic of significance is extremely interesting to me. I think not enough is written about the basic human drive to be significant as a human being and the best managers and the best leaders, whatever they're doing in order to make a difference in the lives of those people, they are making those people significant
1: Well, thanks, Larry. Well, folks, that's going to wrap up our show today. A big thanks to our favorite radio show personality, Larry Sternberg, um, and his insights on tolerating undesirable behavior. Hopefully, he's not tolerating any undesirable behavior from his moderator. Um, And uh, the book, Managing to Make a Difference, Uh, it is available today for pre-order, again, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, Also, hey to our audience, if you have questions or comments like some of our other listeners have have given to us, go ahead and click the email host button just above the podcast description and we'll work those topics into our upcoming podcasts. Uh, We'll see you next time and uh, focus on managing to make a difference. So until then, uh, focus on how you can do that for your people. Have a great day.
3: Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.